Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we get uh, Ben with us. Ben doesn't have a last name. Um, the plan for today, though, is to go through all the Buffs awards that came out yesterday, um, maybe complain about some snubs, and uh, then Ben is going to fill out his Pac-12 tournament bracket, just like I filled mine out a couple days ago, and then you'll know what we think before those games start and what, like... Four hours? Four and a half hours? I like that. We're getting Pretty close, crazy. and it feels good. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. The Stanford-Cal game is the last game of the night, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's the one. The, the winner will play the buffs, but that's like a 9.30 tip or something. Uh, but that's a big one, and Ben and I will be recording a podcast after that, uh, talking about the matchup between the buffs and the winner of that Stanford Cal game. So stay tuned for that. That'll be in your podcast feeds tomorrow morning. And then uh, buffs post game tomorrow night and maybe a couple more nights, depending on how things go. Um, a whole bunch of fun stuff on the way. Make sure that you're tuning into all that and then also tuning in on Sunday because we're going to be live during the Selection Sunday show uh, with Justin Michael from DMVR Rams talking about Selection Sunday. A lot from like a Buffs and Rams perspective, but then also from uh, you know filling out a bracket perspective or betting on a winner perspective. So that's going to be a lot of fun and there's going to be even more fun stuff throughout the tournaments. So stay tuned and we're fired up. Um, before we get into all this stuff, though, uh, I want to talk just a little bit more about the Colorado XOs. So the Colorado XOs are a rugby team right here in Glendale, Colorado. They practice over at Infinity Park. And what they're doing is taking athletes from different sports like basketball or football or soccer or hockey and teaching them how to play rugby with the idea being that you know, most kids in the United States don't grow up in a place where playing rugby is an option. And so a lot of people who would like to play rugby wind up being great athletes in soccer, football. And when those careers come to an end, they realize there's there's uh, some space that I can fill in the U.S. rugby world. And that's what they're doing. They're trying to get these people all up to speed so that they can be some of the top rugby players in the United States, get onto the USA Eagles 15s team. That's the U.S. national team, which practices at the same facility in Glendale, Colorado. It's cool stuff. Make sure you follow along with DMVR Rugby on Twitter, on uh the, oh, the podcast, and then at the dmvr.com. That's the three things that are a part of my job. Um, <laughs> all right, let's jump into these awards. Um, 
how, here's a question to start things off, Ben. How upset are you about the Buffs not getting, you know, coach of the year or player of the year, that sort of stuff? Um, and is it so upset that we have to start with getting snubbed first? Yeah, honestly, it, I had there's two trains of thought with this. Look, Andy Enfield led a fantastic USC team this year to a better finish than they were projected. Evan Mobley, yes, he is the most talented player in the conference. So do I understand those decisions? Yes. But I don't, the thing that I don't understand is how USC swept all these awards when they barely finished second in the conference and CU was right behind them. Uh, And quite frankly as well, UCLA was also right behind them. I mean, this isn't like USC ran away with this conference with a three, four game lead. I mean, first and foremost, Colorado swept them. And I know head-to-head doesn't matter when they have more conference wins, but when you take into account the representation of the distribution of awards, it feels wrong that the Trojans walked away with damn near every piece of hardware when in reality, their season was as impressive, if not less than, teams like Colorado projected to finish second. UCLA, for Christ's sake, lost their best player three months ago. I mean... Arguably, Chris Smith would have been, you know, maybe better than Evan Mobley, if not right behind him as far as this season. So it's just, it's disappointing for sure. Um, And also, too, with that, we're not even talking about Oregon, who won the conference, you know? So it's interesting to say the Buffs were snobbed. I think they have a real argument. But I also think the Bruins and the Ducks can feel snobbed as well. Maybe, you know, Chris Duarte or Dana Altman feel like they should get some recognition or, you know, Mick Cronin again, finishing fourth without your best player. That's very impressive. So really interesting. Uh, you know, I know the Pac-12 headquarters are in San Francisco, but it seems like they were in the Galen Center after looking at all these awards. Seriously. And, and just to run through all these. Um, so there are six awards that come out at the end of the season. Uh, player of the year, uh, freshman of the year, defensive player of the year. Those all go to Evan Mobley of USC. Sixth man of the year goes to Jordan Brown <coughs> of Arizona. And uh, the most improved player is Jaden Delaire of Stanford. Um, and then there's the coach award, which goes to Andy Enf- Enfield of USC. So of those six awards, four of them go to USC. One goes to Arizona, which is ineligible for the postseason, but finished like what, fifth, sixth, seventh, somewhere in there. And then uh, Jaden Delaire of Stanford from the number six finishing team. So that's where the stats or where the awards go in the bracket, which isn't what you'd expect. Now, obviously, making the awards fit the best teams isn't what it's all about. But it is weird to see four awards for USC, one for Stanford, one for Arizona after the Pac-12 season that we all just watched. Um, Like you said, you know, it's not like USC ran away with the conference. First of all, they didn't even win the conference. Uh, It it took that final game of the season for them to climb over uh, CU, I believe. Yeah, if they lost, they would have been behind CU, behind UCLA. And they didn't, though, so they do finish second. But I don't know. I mean, I, I... wasn't of the opinion that Evan Mobley was that dominant in the conference this year. And I think that's why I don't like seeing him get all three of those awards. I think freshman of the year is a lock defensive player of the year. 
I think he has a very strong case, and he has a strong case for player of the year as well. It's just that he doesn't have the best case, in my opinion. And, and I would have chosen McKinley right in front of him. Um, and I, I think I, I probably would have put in Duarte in front of him, too. This The way this shook out, look, freshman of the year, defensive player of the year, I think he was both locks for those, just because mm-hmm. he's clearly the best freshman out there, and he's averaging damn near three blocks a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also cleaning the glass. But when it comes to player of the year, you know, they, they're giving it to Evan Mobley is saying, oh, USC has a lottery pick. He's going to be our player of the year. Whereas you're absolutely right. McKinley Wright and Chris Duarte both had a case, uh, a better case to be player of the year. That would have been my rankings for that award. It would have been McKinley Wright, Chris Duarte, and Evan Mobley. And again, that's not a slight on Mobley, but this is a conversation of, you know, who is the best player in this conference? Not who has the best draft outlook, not whose stock is rising, not who's going to be, you know, has the highest ceiling. And and that's what is, is just disappointing because for McKinley Wright, a guy who's been here, a four-year starter, um, improved steadily year over year, and especially the last month, uh, you know, in particular, the last four games of the season, McKinley Wright averaging like 25 and five, leading the Buffs on a big win streak to secure third in the conference. I mean, it just it seemed almost like the stars were going to align. And then you look at Tad Boyle, a guy who is so undervalued uh, within this conference. It's you know, crazy. He and I've covered two of these basketball seasons, but both of them, you're just like, huh. <laughs> Really? That that's how we see things right now. The tab oil. Okay, whatever. Keep moving along. He's the Colorado guy, I guess. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, he's got his flaws. Every coach has his flaws, you know. But Boyle now three straight seasons of twenty plus wins. There are three seed, uh, the first top four finish in the Pac twelve by Colorado. Uh, and you also look at his tournament record. He ranks fifth in the Pac twelve ter- uh, era in win percentage in the Pac-12 tournament at, you know, above 600. So he is a phenomenal coach that doesn't get the recognition. And, you know, I feel like even if USC finishes fourth, I, I still feel like it goes to Enfield at this point. Just seeing the way it broke down, I just I think these awards were locked in before the last couple games of the season, to be honest. It's disappointing for sure. Um, just to touch on in case anyone doesn't know, you know, the sixth man of the year, Jariah Horn was just ineligible. And that's a bummer. Um, I was preparing a very angry tweet and then I actually double checked and realized um, to be sixth man of the year, you're not allowed to play or start more than one third of your conference games. He started, I believe, 45% or something like that. Um, it was nine of the 20 games. So nine of 20. Yeah. But just, tough break. just no nine of 20. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough, <laughs> tough break for Jariah. Um, would have loved to see if they gave him a nod and put him at most improved or something because he's just been so great. But I don't think they were going to give that to a transfer. No, there's just it, it, it's tough to find Jariah Horn an award if it's not six man of the year. Yeah, like surprisingly tough given how valuable he was to this team. Um, but yeah, I, I pulled the stats just because I was curious. Uh, Jordan Brown of Arizona won the uh, Sixth Man of the Year award. He put up 8.8 points, 4.7 rebounds, um, half an assist, a little less than a block per game. Um, Jariah, meanwhile, 
was 11 and a half points, six rebounds, um, a full assist. Uh, didn't have the same block numbers, but he also a- attempted a three during the conference <laughs> season while shooting the same field goal percentage. And if you remember correctly, uh, those threes were falling for Jariah Horn. <laughs> um, so he was, to me, a much better option if he was eligible. And, and it just sucks that what he played three too many games and and it only counts the conference games which sucks too it's not just starting a third of your full season games which is actually what he did he started nine of the full 27 the season but all nine were in the 20 conference games um he was the best six man in the pac 12 this year though um actually i did have one more thought about the evan mobley thing if you are tad boyle and you're coming into this season and Andy Enfield calls you up and says, Hey, guess what? We want to trade you this one year, Evan Mobley for McKinley, Wright. There's no way that Tad Boyle is getting McKinley, Wright Off this team in exchange for Evan Mobley. Right? No. And, and honestly, that's for a variety of reasons. You know, first and foremost, Tad Boyle believes in developing his players. He has never subscribed to the one and done, you know, formula. And that's one of the reasons I love Tad Boyle. You know, so often we think about how can you get the best talent in here, especially for basketball. And it's, you know, who cares if they're only here for one year, but let's look at it from a full program perspective. You're getting, you know, I think it was RK tweeted out after McKinley Wright's final home game, you know, he came here a, a boy, you know, and he's leaving a man. And, and that's what Tad Boyle does for all these guys. And then you also, you know, so, so that's probably the, the phil- philosophical reason. But then you look at McKinley Wright impact on this team versus Evan Mobley. I mean, Colorado's front court is already stacked. And, you know, hindsight being 2020, what Colorado has done to USC, particularly on the blocks. I mean, it's, it's kind of a no contest. If you'd rather have Evan Mobley or what you have now, plus the best point guard in the conference, McKinley Wright. No, you're not taking that deal. McKinley Wright, he's the most valuable player in the conference. Um, he, he may not be the most talented. Uh, he may not be the most talented player on this team uh, from a raw talent perspective, but he is undeniably the most important. Um, and, and you know what? Maybe this gives this entire damn team that chip on their shoulder mentality going into the tournament. And because there, there is something to that, you know, you finish third in the conference and you're feeling good and, and maybe your confidence is rising. And all of a sudden, all these awards come out and you say, wow, you know, nobody still believes in us. So let's go prove them wrong. Let's go win this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, could, could you imagine the look on – the the buffs guys faces when they heard that usc got four of the six awards like like to them because unless they're sitting at home watching usc games in their free time and those games are on the same time they're playing they remember the two times that usc played colorado and that was not a team that looks like they're going to be picking up a whole bunch of the pac-12 awards um it's disappointing for sure, but it also kind of comes with the territory when you have somebody like Evan Mobley in the conference, um, because first of all, he is really good at basketball. And if he isn't the number one player, then he's a top five player at the very, very least. Um, whether he's number one though, there's some debate, then the name definitely helps him out. Um, 
There were some awards that the Buffs did get, though. Not like the season-long big awards, but they also announced the All-Pac-12 teams. McKinley Wright was on the first team All-Pac-12 team for the third straight season. He was also named honorable mention for the All-Defense team. Eli Barquet actually made it to the Pac-12 All-Defense team. Evan Batty was named honorable mention All-Pac-12. Jabari Walker was named to the Pac-12 All-Freshman team. Um, there's a lot to dig into there. We can go through it all pretty quickly, but, um, my first question is this. So McKinley Wright makes the all pack 12 team. Evan Batty just misses. Is Evan Batty the second best player on the Colorado Buffaloes? No, uh, but he, he, he has probably the most recognizable face and, and, and style of play because he's been in the conference for a while. I mean, you look at, the winners of who made, you know, all, all conferences here. It's just, it's more a name recognition thing than, than anything else. You know, I, I bet you bottom dollar Remy Martin, if they split actually between first and second, I bet you Remy still would have been first team, even though he didn't really put together that all that impressive of a season, his team's an eight seed in the tournament. And, and that's what's disappointing because quite frankly, I think Jariah Horn was more deserving of an honorable mention um, than anybody else. Still love that Evan Batty's getting that recognition and, and going into next season, you know, it'd be great to see if he could make that leap. Um, but that's where I think Jariah Horn really would have belonged as an honorable mention, not on, on the all conference team, because he's one of the best shooters in the conference. He's averaging double digits on your third best team in the conference. That should be enough of an equation. Uh, if you are, you know, going to pick an all conference team and give out some honorable mentions. Um, you know, to me, it's it's McKinley Wright, Jariah Horn, Evan Batty, and Jabari Walker. Uh, the problem with Walker is just, you know, minutes. And also, he hasn't been quite as impactful after the injury, and that's just because he has been in the limited capacity since. Would love to see him take off in the tournament. But that that's just kind of where my head's at with that all-conference team. It's, it's a nice recognition, but at the same time, it's kind of like the Pro Bowl, you know, in the NFL. It's like you – the best players don't always necessarily make the Pro Bowl from that season. And I, I think it's worth noting – that the Pac-12 does this the worst possible way <laughs> by having 10 players on the all Pac-12 all or all Pac-12 first team and then five players on the all Pac-12 second team. So I'm just saying first team, second team, third team. That way your teams are five players yeah. on the <laughs> basketball team. Um, I really cannot emphasize how much I hate that enough, but we have to move on. Um, the all freshman team, you know, I didn't dig too deep into these numbers, but I did know that it was going to be tough for Jabari Walker to make this team. Um, You look at the guys who didn't make the team, Marcus Bagley, Marvin Bagley's little brother who plays at Arizona State, Josh Christopher, also from Arizona State, uh, Zaire Williams didn't make it from Stanford, one of the top-rated recruits in the entire country. (laughs) What do you think of seeing Jabari Walker's name on the team while those guys are honorable mention? This is this is solely due to people like John Wilner, man. They people got on the Jabari Walker hype train early uh, and really haven't jumped off, and that's really helped because 
You know, I'd go as far as to say, as far as college coverage goes, Jabari Walker far and away more coverage than Zaire Williamson. And, you know, and that's that's a combination of a few different things. I think Colorado being better than Stanford. I think also, you know, Stanford being in California with all the flux with COVID, I think that hurt them, too. So. For, for Walker, though, obviously it doesn't take anything away. It's just nice to see him get some, some of the recognition that, you know, he deserves. And for a guy that may not be here his entire career, um, you love to see him bring home some hardware for himself because this is different than, than the all-conference team, just the fact that there's five guys. In the Pac-12, you know, it, it's always going to be on, on the bottom tier as far as people's standings but you got some popular basketball destinations obviously Arizona Oregon and then the LA schools um you know recruits are going to want to come and play in the Pac-12 so to, to be a part of the best five uh, especially as you mentioned you know getting in front of Zaire and, and, and Bagley in in Arizona it's a it's a big it's a big nod it is big and I mean just a, such a great accomplishment because I, I think that if you were to tell just about anybody that Zaire Williams was going to play 20 games this season and he wasn't going to make the Pac-12 All-Conference team, they would have said you're crazy. But I, I don't know. And Actually, we should shout out these three other guys who made that team because they're actually three international players um, who are, are also not like huge names like Zaire Williams, like a Josh Christopher, but... Um, F.A. Abagidi from Washington State, the center from Nigeria, Benedict Matherin from Arizona, from Quebec, uh, as well as Tabellas from Arizona, from Lithuania. Pretty, pretty cool to see, honestly, a bunch of international guys coming through the ranks because I feel like that's something maybe in a different way that helps out Pac-12 football when they recruit the islands in a way that most of the country doesn't. I don't know. Uh, some, something to watch for sure. Um, where have we not got? Oh, I know where we haven't gotten yet. Eli Parquet making the first team all defensive team. McKinley Wright, honorable mention. Here's the first question. Was that the right call? Uh, Eli on the team, McKinley as honorable mention, or should that be flipped? No, they, I mean, they got it right. I Eli Parquet is, is the better defender because... <laughs> He really gives you the flexibility to cover a one through three on the floor. Now, McKinley Wright can do it as well. But but I think the other thing is McKinley Wright, I mean, his talents are better served focusing on one area so he can impact you on the offensive end. Whereas Eli Parquet, he can be a three and D guy and his three doesn't even need to necessarily hit for him to still be valuable on the team. We talked about it all season long, you know, is is making a switch at the two, you know, primarily is maybe trying Maddox there. Is that worth it? Is the offensive for defensive switch worth it? And we both said no. Eli Parquet is that beneficial. Love to see him get the recognition. And, you know, he is really just just a, a couple tools on the offensive end away from really making some noise next season because his defense is that good from blocks to I mean his length on the perimeter really lets you lock down shooters um, he's got the chase down block ability he can poke the ball free um, and he's got the size to rebound he's really everything you need on the defensive end I, 
I bet you, you know, this development this season, as much as it impressed fans, I think it just makes Tad Boyle sit back and smile because this feels like the Tad Boyle pet project, you know, of making this guy the best best defender he can be. So, you know, going into the offseason, he's already buttoned up that three-point shot. If he can just add some, you know, some post maneuvers and drive into the basket a little bit more – Man, Eli Parquet could be sneaky heading into next season. I think Eli Parquet had a legitimate chance for most improved player of the season. Uh, and I think next year, he really should be on people's radar for that. Yep, I, I agree. And, you know, when you look through, you try to find, like, the snubs. Where could Colorado have gotten an award? You know, player of the year, definitely. Um, defensive player of the year, probably not. I, Eli, you just have to be able to do that as a guard. That is just too tough to do. Um, freshman of the year, no. Most improved player, though, yeah, I do think that this was kind of the third area where Colorado had a chance to pick up an award because of Eli Parquet, but didn't happen. Um, the potential for the offensive growth, though, is a good point because this could be a conversation again next year. Um I think that does it for all the award stuff. Ben's going to fill out a Pac-12 bracket, which is going to be a lot of fun here in a second. But first, I want to uh, pay some bills. And we're going to do that by telling you about the Broncos Country Hoppy Pale Ale from Breckenridge Brewery. It's a great beer. It's not football season. But honestly, that's why I kind of like it right now, because it reminds me of football season. Um, We kind of we rotated the beers that we used on the tailgate. um, But over those like 20 shows, probably 10 or more of them were the Broncos Country. And because of that, I feel like that beer just just brings me back. It feels like football season. It gets it feels like you're getting ready for a big day of watching sports. Actually, that's what I'm doing today now that I think of it. Maybe it will be a good day to break into those. But if beer's not your thing, they have the seltzers. Uh, they have a whole bunch of great food down at the farmhouse in Littleton. There's a lot going on at Breckenridge Brewery, and you should check that all out by going to their website. And if you're trying to pick up something in particular like that Broncos Country Hoppy Pale Ale, um, the seltzers, you can use the beer locator on their website, and it'll tell you exactly where you can go to pick that up. So make sure you check that out. Also, um, MSU Denver Online is an awesome place to go, uh, whether you're trying to get back into school or whether you never went in the first place or whether you're just graduating high school and looking for somewhere to go take some classes. Um, The online program is something that they've been working on for years now. And so when the pandemic hit, they were kind of in the perfect position to pitch this to a whole bunch of students who are now taking classes online or remotely or whatever because of the pandemic. Um, if, if that sounds like you, definitely check out MSU Denver online. Um, they, they do great work um, in a whole bunch of different fields. Uh, the, the professors, I think 80% of them actually work here in Denver in the field they teach in. So it makes it really easy for you to network once you get out. Um, A couple of DMVR employees have actually gone out there and taken some classes. I actually didn't go out there because it's online, but 
they said the professors were very responsive and they cared and they uh, were, were building the courses in a way that makes it really easy to get all your work done while working a full-time job. Um, so if, if any of this stuff intrigues you, then you can go to msudenver.com slash online for more information on the 40 plus programs that can get you a degree um, or the 700 plus online and hybrid classes that you can take on your way to that degree. All right. Um, let's just dig in to uh, this Pac-12 bracket. Actually, do I have one pulled up? Yes, right. Nope, that's not the bracket. Um, what is the first game today? Do you know off the top of your head, Ben? Um, yes, at 2 p.m., we've got Washington State against Arizona State, the classic 8-9 matchup. Man, this is a tough game. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. All right, well, I didn't I didn't hear your picks. Do you want me to – do you want to wait until after I give mine to give yours again so I can hear them? Yeah. Or should, okay. Yeah. Um, for me – uh, a lot of factors went into this. Uh, Washington State and Arizona State actually recently squared off. Um, that game was on February 27th. Arizona State edged them by three points. Uh, but coming down the wire yesterday, Isaac Bonton expected to play in a limited role. That flips it for me. I'm going Washington State um, for, for a couple of reasons. I think Bonton does make that difference. But at the same time, Arizona State, their last two games, dear God, you know, what is going on with that program? Obviously, they lost that game at Colorado, and then they lost 98-59 to 59 on the road against a, a middle-of-the-tier Utah team. I mean, the defense was as optional as ever in that one for Arizona State. So, I think Washington State's able to pull it through. Um, that's kind of where my head's at. It's, it's going to be close, though. I said the same thing. <laughs> Uh, All right. For the same reason. I'm pretty sure that was an <laughs> overtime game, if I remember correctly. Um, let's see. Next up is going to be Utah-Washington. Yep. This one, I'm going with the Utes. This is because the Utes are hot. They had a four-game skid kind of mid-February, but they beat USC and they beat Arizona State. Um, so they've really gotten that offense rolling. And Alfonso Plummer is my X factor in this. Honestly, it could be the X factor of this entire tournament just because of his ability to heat up. I don't think Washington is able to overcome that ability. I agreed. Um, Stanford, Cal? This one... Uh, yeah, believe it or not, this one was probably the closest game for me other than Arizona-Washington State. I, I am going to Stanford just because they're just more talented. Um, on paper, they are a better basketball team. I think Cal has the capability to really be a sleeper and make a run in this tournament just because of Matt Bradley uh, and his ability to carry that team. That being said, again, Stanford, just too talented. I think they're walking away with this one. Yep, I picked them too. Um, Oregon-Washington State. Uh, and this one was easy for me. Uh, the, the Ducks are going to take care of business. As better as Washington State is with Isaac Bonton, uh, the fact that he's in limited minutes today means not having any time off going into tomorrow is not exactly going to help them. Um, and, and quite frankly, Oregon's probably playing the best basketball they've been playing all season. Yep. And I said the same thing there. Um, UCLA, Oregon State. UCLA. And this one's not really close for me either. Um, the, you know, the Bruins, that was a heartbreaking loss uh, to USC at the buzzer, fading corner three. Fantastic game. Um, but, you know, 
Tiger Campbell is just probably the second best point guard. Not even probably he's the second best point guard in the conference. He's a great distributor. UCLA has got a lot of ways you can beat you just starting on the defensive end. They can suffocate you. The Bruins are, are definitely going to win this game. I took uh, Oregon State. I, I Honestly, really? I was kind of thinking like I, I do want to find an upset here somewhere. And this was one that kind of jumped out at me. Um the reason why Oregon State just lost to Oregon, but they'd won three straight before that on the road, not against like great opponents, but you know, uh, against, I think they beat Utah in there. They beat Cal in there, beat Stanford. Um, meanwhile, UCLA, obviously playing a much tougher schedule, uh, has lost their last three. And so maybe there's a little something to the momentum. I definitely agree that the talent's there, but I don't know. Oregon State team. Feels like kind of a, a magic year for him, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a win. We'll see I, I do I, I do you know I agree with with Jared Lucas and <clears throat> excuse me and Ethan Thompson with Oregon State. They do have the firepower. The X factor for me in that game um, is gonna be their their big men down low, Roman Silva. He is he's not really playing a whole lot of minutes per game. He kind of fits that Dallas Walt role of he's just your big man in the middle. Um, but he he hit some very nice shots in their matchup against Oregon. That could be a guy that that really messes with UCLA inside because I'm blanking on his name, but UCLA has a kid playing right now that was in high school last semester. Um, so really could bully him down low if if that matchup comes up. Right. Um, USC Utah. USC. Uh, th- this one is, you know, it, I haven't picked really many upsets so far. I guess my Washington State pick was an upset, but I mean, this uh, the difference between USC and, and Utah is enough. Now, it is interesting though. I mean, Utah beat them once already, so it is absolutely possible. And if there is a team that's going to run to the you know to the to the championship game that no one expects, I do think it's Utah. Like I mentioned before, with Alfonso Plummer. I think they just have the explosiveness to get it done. Um, so I'm going with USC, but this one actually is, you know, this could really be a close game. Which opponent does Colorado want to face? USC. I, I, I mean, it, well, it's tough because, <laughs> I mean, on paper, you'd easily say Utah, but you swept USC and you split with Utah. Utah I think, about put up 100 last week. Yeah, and, and the two games against Utah – Colorado beat them by eight the first round or um, beat them by eight the first round, lost by three the second one. I mean, that they're close games. And again, Colorado just does not have many answers for Alfonso Plummer. Weirdly enough, I think you feel better about USC. And, and the other reason for that, too, is losing to USC has no impact on your season. True. You lose to USC in the semis, everyone says, oh, chop it up, inevitably do what you want. Decent. You lose to Utah that actually could bump you from a five to a six line if that's where they're at right now. So I think you do want to play the best opponents you can at this point, just if that shadow doubt creeps in. I like it. Um, Last game Thursday, uh, Colorado Stanford. Buffs, absolutely. But Buffs have Stanford's number this year. Um, It's going to be tough to beat them for a third time in a row in one season, but I think they've got the capability to do it for sure. Yep. Um, all right, first semifinal, you've got Oregon and UCLA. Yeah, this one, I picked the Ducks, and again, there's no real upsets yet for my bracket. They're coming, uh, and, and they're not really an upset to anybody watching this podcast because you know me, but I, I, I want I want to actually believe in you, UCLA, but 
the shadow of doubt for me that's creeping in on this team is because of my experience in Cincinnati and just knowing how poorly Mick Cronin does in the postseason. So last year, great regular season team, didn't get to see him in the postseason. So for me, it's going to be same old Mick. When, when it gets tough, when crunch time hits, his teams have never really responded. Uh, one Sweet 16 appearance with Sean Kilpatrick back with the Bearcats. I would not be shocked if they lose this one. That's why I'm going with Oregon. Yep, I had Oregon beating Oregon State. Um, USC, CU. Pound the table for your Colorado Buffaloes in this one. This, this is another interesting thing because the way the bracket, my bracket is shaping up, you know, beat Stanford for a third time in a row. Then you got to go and beat USC for a third time in a row. That'd be pretty incredible, um, to, to say the least. I think they get it done. Again, it's, it's a combination of matchups. Um, it, as well as I, I think you love Colorado's backcourt versus USC's. You know, Taz Edie, he was the one who hit the game winner for the Trojans against UCLA. He's a good guard, but McKinley Wright and Eli Parquet might be the best one-two punch, one of the best one-two punches in the country. You know, they're up there with Oregon as far as that guard play. And, and that that's gonna get the, that's gonna be the difference in this game because when you look at Colorado's front court versus USC's front court, it's pretty much a wash. So it comes down to the guards. Absolutely take McKinley right all day long. Agreed. Um, if Tajidi misses that shot, is Andy Enfield coach of the year? <laughs> uh, no. I, I, might have, I might be contradicting myself from what I said before. <laughs> um, I, I still think he's probably second. But at that point, I think it goes to Dana Altman. And, and quite frankly, this should have been a Dana Altman-Tad Boyle conversation. Because when you look at the talent level of those two coaches, and again, we're going back to the damn awards, but gripe <laughs> session, there's fans out there that want to hear it. I mean, for Christ's sake, you've got a lottery pick on your team, and Evan Mobley, you should be winning this conference handily. So the fact that Colorado did that, uh, you know, finished third without that talent level, and you look at the fact what Oregon did overcoming COVID, and, and all those pauses and, and injury to Will Richardson, I think it should have been a Dana Altman, Tad Boyle conversation. So I, now that I think about it, yeah, I'll say it would go to Dana Altman if Taz, Taz misses that shot. Pretty crazy. And we don't need to do the same thing for Evan Mobley, but who knows? Maybe that's <laughs> the difference between him and Ken winning that award. Um, uh, have we, that's everything. Now it's to the final. Um, yep. Oregon CU, who you got? Yeah, you know, th this was a, a really surprisingly not close call for me. No, <laughs> I don't know what it is. For some reason, I'm really feeling the bus right now. Maybe it's because I'm just, the vibes are good. But I'm going to take the bus in this one. Obviously, you know, they split the series. Um, the Oregon's win was a very close win. A, a winnable game for the Buffs. And, and I know you and Ryan talked about that on that post-game show. Uh, the Buffs win in early January. It was a difference. Oregon team. They didn't have Will Richardson at that point, um, but it was still a good game, and, and Colorado won that one by five. McKinley Wright put up a double-double. Series split. Team matches up well. Which team is hotter? Oregon's on a five-game win streak. Colorado's on a four-game win streak. I'm picking Colorado, but a realistic, unbiased opinion, this truthfully should be a pick'em game. This should be a coin flip because of the way this team, these teams match up. That's kind of where I was at, and I'm not giving coin flips to anybody but Colorado. Um, I like it. Um, 
we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about uh, some picks for the tournament, as in who to bet on to win the whole thing, um, thanks to the guys at DraftKings Sportsbook. Speaking of which, uh, wait, where did this go? Every time I think that I'm ready and I'm not. There we go. It's that time of year again. Conference tournaments are tipping off. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid while the top seeds are preparing for what they hope is a long run. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $4 on an underdog, win $256 if they win. It's that simple. That's bet $4 on an underdog and select college basketball games. And if they win, you collect $256. The bank is open. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on golf, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR when you sign up to turn $4 into $256 if the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That's code DMVR to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh, time now for a quick DraftKings pick of the week. Um, and what we're going to do is look through this Pac-12 conference tournament, the odds, and... Um, see what Ben likes. Uh, here's what they're looking like now, just because there has been some movement since we went through these a couple days ago. The favorite, Oregon, at plus 185. Uh, second is USC at plus 235. Um, Colorado is at plus 250 now, up from plus 300 on Monday um, for third best odds, and then UCLA is at plus 550, and things drop off from there. So, Ben, where do you see value in these odds? Uh, you know, I, I think the buffs have the best value. Um, I, I really do. I, I think second is UCLA. And yes, I know last segment, I literally just crapped on Nick Cronin's postseason abilities all day long. But, you know, this obviously that was at Cincinnati. This is his first time in the postseason with, with a you know more prestigious program. At those odds for UCLA, you really don't mind. You, you really wouldn't mind sprinkling a unit or two on that. Um, it, it's tough because no no team is really running away from this. You know, this isn't like the the West Coast Conference where Gonzaga is you know minus a thousand to win it all because nobody else is really going to come close. BYU did last night and then ended up losing by double digits still. So mm-hmm. I, I think Colorado has great odds on that. Um, I, I think I'd probably sprinkle money anywhere but Oregon, uh, and that's just because. Just value wise, you know, betting on the one seed to win the tournament, yeah, you plus money right now, but it would be far more likely that two through four win it all than than just the one seed. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. At the same time, though, when you look at Oregon's path, they play a winner of Arizona State, Washington State. I mean, maybe that is a little bit scarier than I give them credit for. But to me, Oregon kind of rolls through there. UCLA, Oregon State. That is tough, but I still do think that Oregon is I, – I think that saying Oregon's number one in the conference, UCLA is number four in the conference, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good with that. I mean, I could push for Colorado, but I do think that Oregon makes its way 
through there. Um, but I do agree. Plus 185, just too many things that can go wrong. Um, are uh, any of the like bottom five teams interesting to you? Uh, I mean, what's Oregon State at? Oregon State plus 2,000, Utah plus 3,000, Arizona State plus 4,000, Washington State seven, um, Cal plus 30,000, Washington plus 30,000. Oh, Stanford plus 1552. I, I would probably say, you know, Oregon State you like just because they have to play one last game. Um, and so, so for those odds, that's nice because they're, they're automatically, you know, starting in the quarterfinals. So that helps for them. Uh, the two sleeper teams, like I said, Utah, just because of their ability to heat up. And then I guess I would say Arizona State. I don't have them making it out of the first round of this tournament. But if there's a team that's going to shock the world, it's absolutely the Sun Devils. Because as we've been saying all season long, they have the talent. And maybe, just maybe, now all of a sudden they decide to try. Maybe it all clicks for them. You know, and that's not to say they haven't been trying all season, but what if this has just been an elaborate con? You know, what if, <laughs> what if Bobby Hurley has just been trying to get the best odds he can and is just throwing this thing? Um, those are the, probably the three teams outside the top four that, that you, you, know, you might get lucky if you sprinkle some money on. That being said, it's, <laughs> Oregon is the one seed for a reason. They have the easiest path for sure. Um, and that, that, that's probably the likelihood. Betting on the upset, you know, you like Colorado and UCLA. Yep, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm going to go Colorado, my favorite. And I think I said before, UCLA is probably my second favorite for that reason. Um, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back late tonight to talk about all these games that start at 2 and go until we record the podcast. And, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. We're going to be talking about the Buffs versus either Cal or Stanford. So be ready for that to be in your feeds early tomorrow morning. Um, and we'll see you guys then.
revive em. Get them thugs, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bust with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag.